You're listening to the best barbecue show, the show where we talk, taste, and even try to cook the best barbecue in Texas, which is the best barbecue in the world. And I'm sitting here with some awesome guys from Toronto. Why don't you introduce yourselves? Thanks, Yoni. I'm Adam, Adamson Barbecue. Uh, Brian Drew, Adamson Barbecue as well. And Matthew Rushworth, Adamson Barbecue. So you guys cook <laughs> in Toronto. We do. Uh, and you guys are on a little pilgrimage through Austin. We're here at Style Switch, or I should say The Switch. <laughs> yep. Just hung out with Marco and Bill Dumas. Yeah, and we wanted to uh, check out the, the latest and greatest, the shiny new barbecue place before we leave. Nice. Figured it was, it was best as a, a last stop. And it's, uh, it's right off the highway, quick to get to the airport. Yeah, exactly. So y'all, y'all are part of Adamson Barbecue. You're, you're what keeps that place running. What made you want to cook Texas barbecue in Canada? Uh, well, I, I started a, a barbecue catering company. At the beginning, it was just really generic southern barbecue. You know, I was making just whatever I could find online, like different kind of sauces with all sorts of weird flavors and stuff like that. And as I did a little bit more research and I came across, you know, Franklin Barbecue and I saw the, the huge lineups and everything, I went, oh, this guy's doing something right. And I, I started focusing in on, on Central Texas Barbecue. And uh, what did you like about, you like the, the slowness? You built your own pits, right? No, I've, I've never built a pit. We, we built a, a brick pit. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't built any pits. My brother-in-law built the, the oh, pits. Oh, your brother-in-law built them? Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know how to weld. I, I wish I could say I built <laughs> them all. But. Well, I know that they're not from, you know, a lot of people now are buying pits from Austin and take them to California or Australia or other yeah. countries. So you guys you guys have some homemade pits there, though, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, my like I said, my brother-in-law built them for me out in Calgary. I, I was looking to purchase them, and I was, you know, I got in touch with uh, Austin Smokeworks, and then I saw the price tag. I was like, I, I can't afford to buy these, these pits. And at that time, Moberg wasn't in business, and... So I, I just sent photos of uh, of the Franklin pits and of the Austin Smokework pits to my brother-in-law, and he's a great welder, and he, he put them together for me. Nice. So you, want, you guys give us a, a, a taste of kind of your trip. It's been six days? Six long brisket-filled days. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, uh, and where did you start first? Uh, first place we stopped in at was uh, Terry Black's. And partly, like, we're opening a second location just outside of Toronto, and so... We wanted to see any like a lot of the bigger operations, so Terry Black's kind of made sense. One because it's open at seven o'clock at night when we actually would get into town. Nice. And because it's like such a huge operation, it was like a good kind of first stop on the line. Yeah, they have a serious operation over there. Yeah, it, we got to see the the pits in the back. And they said they go through yeah well over a hundred briskets on the weekend, which is much bigger than our operation. So, <laughs> are you thinking? Are you guys thinking a a, a multi cutter? Uh, Second location, something like that. That, that wasn't in the. That's that's not in our original plans, and thank goodness the progress has been pretty slow on the second location. So we still haven't built the counter. There's nothing set in stone yet. There, we basically got four walls. So we're gonna be doing some thinking about that for sure. Nice, and I love. Uh, you know, they they take a few. Even though it's in Austin, they take a few uh, things from uh, when their father ran Black's Barbecue. And I love that giant cutting board that kind of slowly gets like a divot yeah. cut in it. Mm-hmm. A, little, uh, a little bit of uh, wood in every bite. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know where that wood's going, but, 
the, it's just so cool how you know you go you go down to Lockhart and some of those things it's like they're cutting they, they have to like get curved knives to cut into those spots and that's yep. partially the reason we came down here is to see that history and you know we're all doing Texas barbecue and we're trying to see get some of that history and kind of add it into our own thing that we do up in Canada nice and there are other places you said in Toronto it's blown up a little bit yeah it's really big right now yeah we were the the first to open First we, counter we, service for sure. And, and it was the first, well, there was another place that calls themselves Texas style barbecue and it's an insult. Uh, <laughs> I, I won't name any names. No names. Shots fired. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I, I, we opened up in April 2016 and as I was getting my doors open, I kind of heard whiffs of another place that was opening up too. And I just rushed it. We went double time. I was like, I'm, I'm going to be the first. And then they opened up. They've since closed. Uh, and in, in the meantime, two other places have opened up that are doing a route. Three other places that are doing a pretty respectable job. There's Cherry Street Barbecue, Smoke Signals Barbecue, and a new one, Beach Hill. Uh, they yeah, do like a Lockhart style from, barbecue. He's from Texas. Yeah. 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 yeah so I get he's the most authentic out of anybody because the guy, he, he cooked at, I think, Lockhart Smokehouse down here for a long time. But yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's taken off as another counter service place that's opening up, not specifically Texas style barbecue, but uh, just like a counter service barbecue restaurant. And it's done by a big fine dining restaurant group. Uh, it does a lot of catering, like this multi-million dollar operation. Even they're getting into the business now, so uh, it's 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 peaking in Toronto for sure. And you said that there's a there was a little bit of uh, getting used to the eating off of paper, and like people don't really get how to eat Texas barbecue up there. Yeah, we're not even close to there yet. Yeah, <laughs> we're like, I feel like as the cutter when you're on the board, like a small portion of it is actually cutting meat, and half of it is trying to like walk people through how to order you know because everybody gets up and they, they panic and they they all order individual lunch plates you're like guys no no like you're all together like don't buy you know all these lunch plates get it by the pan like we'll make you a pretty plate you know so yeah that's half the job is is teaching people like how they, to do it they see our platters online they'll see the big platter of meat and you'll get eight guys all coming in and go, okay i, I want to have the platter like the one meat platter and then the next guy, yeah, we'll have the one meat platter. Is it? No, it's, that's not really those, how it Those works, are so. plates. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's half education for sure. And we, we do get some people that, like, get visibly angry. Oh. But, uh, you know, we don't have, we have, like, lunch plates to go and, and individual plates. But telling people to eat off butcher paper, there's a, a large uh, range of emotions that can come out. Some people are not happy with it. What? I, but just give me a plate. <laughs> so... And do you have plates, or you just force them to eat off a of paper? We force them to eat off a of paper. paper. Nice. Yeah. Paper, yep. yeah. <laughs> Friend, friendly Canadian service. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so you started off at uh, Terry Black's. What, what else did you hit up? Uh, we did 2M the next day, and then uh, while we were down in San Antonio, we like hooked up to Lockhart's uh, Smitty's and Kreutz. You like that old school big pit rooms? Yeah, yeah. The, uh, the one at Smitty's, it was like being in an oven. Yeah, <laughs> like I didn't like that at all. That was couldn't that was believe how hot it was in there. We will never, ever complain again yeah. about how hot any place in our restaurant is because it's just it's, And it's I worked crazy. at Pitt, so yeah. I think my eyes are used to smoke, and I was like, you know, <laughs> rubbing my eyes in there. Yeah, that's probably not something that would pass as far as Canadian or uh, Toronto like building Legal, permits. Legally, yeah. you could <laughs> never, ever do that. Yeah, couldn't put people in the pit room while they're ordering. Yeah. <laughs> uh, wh- what did you think? Uh, there's been kind of a lot of talk about Lockhart and you know the how it's more old school and there's kind of this new modern uh, barbecue going on. Uh, I think it was great to see like all the families there and you can definitely tell the like nostalgia for old places like that, which 
you know, there's zero barbecue culture in Canada or barbecue history. So, like, to be able to actually see it was really cool. Yeah. And you okay. can understand why they why they defend the food down there, right? If that's where you've been eating since you were five years old with your family, and that's that's what got you started on barbecue. Of course, you're not going to want to go to to Austin and wait in these crazy lineups for a product that to them is marginally better. I mean, yeah, we really enjoyed all the the craft barbecue, but the stuff down there, you, you know, that's a whole part of it. It paved the way for all the new yeah. places. That's we where it came from. We definitely were the tourists there, taking all the pictures and going yeah. in and stand beside everything. And every other film is just kind of you know family style sitting there eating their food, and we're like, do 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 do, picture picture picture. Did did you did you tell them like were they were they positive about hearing the barbecues all the way up in Toronto? Uh, nobody really talked to us at Smitty's. We got some weird looks in there. Actually. Yeah, yeah. Uh, at Kreitz Market, they were nice. We met uh, the guy with the chops, Re- uh, Roy. Right. Yeah, yeah, we met him. He came out. I had a nice chat with him. But they were probably the least interested in us. That yeah, the old yeah. school guys are like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, 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 whatever. We, we told like I sent messages to a lot of the the places we were going, and I'm like, I'm not going to bother with Lockhart. They don't care who we are. No, they, and nor should it, they, it's really. only the people who are big on Instagram and know <laughs> yeah, who we exactly. are, right? Like, th- those guys don't care. <laughs> yeah. And you think? I mean, we always say that Instagram kind of drives a lot of barbecue. So, you guys, is that mostly what you did your outreach on? Yeah, I mean, we have never paid for advertising. We've never had an ad in a newspaper or a radio ad or any of that. It's all been Instagram. Nice. And, and I think it's pretty cool because some of the people we came down here, they knew about us. It's like, wow, we, we actually have like, you know, some of the best barbecue restaurants in Texas respect us for what we do just based on what they've seen online. And it's, it's like a two-way street, right? We're just copying the stuff that we see on Instagram. That's the only reason we knew, like, you know how to render fat properly on brisket like why is that fat on top of the brisket why is that golden like why does that look so different than ours and we go oh you you do a little bit more research and it's all just been through social media Mm-hmm. It was great at Snows when uh, just a guy that was waiting in line with us came up and he's like, "You guys are from Adamson Barbecue," and we're all like, "This is it. This is it. This is it. This is <laughs> we why it. we came down here. <laughs> we did it. Yeah. We did it. We've made it." We definitely rolled into town at Terry Black's like, like, hey, we're from Adamson Barbecue. And they're like, nope, yep. never nope. heard of it. <laughs> don't, <laughs> like, don't care. No, don't it care. was definitely an ego check. Like, oh, okay. Well, and, and, and that's kind of what the barbecue world is, though, is that you might be really, interest, you might be really interested in a place and in somebody. And, and in the end, they didn't even, uh, you know, they didn't know who you were. But then like a week later, they're like, oh, this guy posted, you know, it, it's half, half the people I know have, don't listen to my show. But that's fine. Like, I don't, I'm not butthurt about it. Mm. I just, like, I put it out there and the people that like it enjoy it. And I think it's so interesting to see who engages where, who does what, and, and where the connections are made. Because, like, Marco knows everybody. Mm. Like, Marco's, like, the king of, of barbecue Instagram. Like, everyone knew who he was when we put him on our show. Yeah, Marco, like, I think Adam and I, the photos that we send back and forth to each other going, like, look at this. How do we get it, like, to look like this? Marco was one of the first, like, like my God, look at these ribs. <laughs> They're so perfect. How is that how whole top of that rack? It's all red, the entire perfect. thing. How do we get? <laughs> yeah. We're so talking about earlier how much we how much time we spend zooming in on every picture. How half the things we learn is looking at a picture. It's like, what, what what's that CVAP set at it? Can you can you tell the number on the digital display? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you guys. Uh, it sounded like you were going to Frank. You were looking at some of Franklin's pictures and like breaking down how they split up their meat and stuff. Yep. Uh, tell me about it. That was uh, how I got my start, was watching uh, a Franklin video, and I did a brisket in my backyard on like a little kind of jury-rigged offset. <laughs> nice. I think that's how a lot of people learn, at least get their start. Well, and you said uh, you said that there was like a... They, they split them up by weight and split them up 
You said you saw some stuff in the pictures. Oh yeah, <laughs> like we, I follow, I'll follow anybody. I don't, I don't just follow like the the restaurant itself. I'll find like all the cooks and stuff who have like twenty five followers, and I follow them to like see the back of the pit room and see like any little detail I can glean. And yeah, I've, I've seen like, I think if I was interpreting it right, <laughs> that they keep track of where each brisket is in each pit, and they know they can follow it from beginning to end. It was like, whoa, that's a whole other level. <laughs> Super barbecue nerds. Yeah. <laughs> well, w- when you're down here, you can just drive 20 minutes up the street and go to a world-class barbecue restaurant. You can shoot the shit with the guys who work there, l- learn something, be poking your head around. We, we don't have that luxury, right? So it's just whatever we can find online on the Internet or you know, the, the couple details that people have revealed to us, uh, like in Instagram messages. Like I've been talking to uh, Isao from 2M for a while, and there's been a couple things. Like he posted an Instagram story, and his, his pits were at 350 for his ribs. I was like, hold <laughs> on, that makes no sense. That's not low and slow. It's still, it, still kind of slow. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, did you get to hang out down there with him? I mean, he's got like a big screen in his pit room. Like he's got it set up. Yeah, for sure. N- nice bed. We were bunked up in there for a little while. Took a nap. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay, so you went down to San Antonio, you went to Lockhart, and then is, you went to Snows next, where I ran into y'all? Yeah, next day started at Snows, met you there for the first time. Uh, that, that was really cool. That was an awesome experience. Got to talk, talk to Clay. I've been talking to him online for a little while, so it was really nice to finally meet him. And then afterwards over to uh, Louis Miller's, and we got an hour and a half sermon from Wayne, which was just cool. Like That's that's priceless. He, he, he took a lot of time out of his day to tell us about the, you know, his family history and barbecue and that man is just spiritual about barbecue it's he, he's on another level he's the preacher yeah man yeah he, he said that as a the pit master i'm, I'm a high priest apparently so <laughs> i think yeah. that's my new job title yeah, we just printed your business cards too <laughs> yeah. and and so you know i have i probably have three hours of interviews with wayne that i even put out because originally we just did little 30 minute uh discussions so it's crazy to see, you know, that everyone gets all this time from, you know, the, uh, he's not really the preacher. He's like the minister or something. Mm. He's, he's the missionary. Pope. The yeah, Pope of barbecue. The, pope. <laughs> the cathedral of smoke. They were actually looking for a slogan. Did you guys see that Twitter post that they put out? No. They were like, hey, w- what do you guys think is a good slogan for our restaurant? And people, I just put the cathedral of smoke, but people are putting crazy stuff in there. Like the gods of barbecue, <laughs> the original, like all this stuff. Are you guys? Do you guys feel like you kind of brought Texas barbecue to Toronto? Yeah, I think so. Like yeah, we. Safe to say. You know, I think we we definitely realize that our food holds up. We were maybe a little like not exactly. Uh, I don't know. It's like we we make food that looks good, but when we get down there, like, well, we bite into it and go, oh no, <laughs> it's actually terrible. But we found that yeah, our stuff holds up at least. In our own opinion, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, for sure. No, I, th- I think so. I was, I was a little bit more worried about it, too. Right? I yeah. thought we would learn a lot about cooking techniques and, and taste the food and, th- and think it was really different. But I, I think we hold up. Like, we're not going to be the number one spot, but I think we're doing pretty well. Yeah. Yeah, and the pictures hold up. I mean, you guys are... I, I want to try... Every time there's someone on the show that comes, you know, I, we're lucky to be in the center of all of it. Everyone that comes and visits Austin, I get to talk to them, but I, w- I wish we could put a platter of your barbecue right in front of us right now. That would be amazing. <laughs> no more barbecue, please. Yeah, no more barbecue. <laughs> I'm going to need a couple of weeks of uh, kale salads. Well, you guys you guys won't have to worry about, uh, you know, eating out of your own supply for a while. Yeah. 
<laughs> uh, that, that hasn't been an issue for a yeah, long, time. Long, long time. We, we've got one guy at a restaurant who still eats barbecue every day, and he'll be cutting our pre-orders at the counter, and he'll find himself like a half pound of brisket, like a nice burn end, and he'll save it, he'll put it aside. And still, almost every day, he eats a half pound of brisket. He's been there over a year. A year, yeah. uh, we have this policy you can have as much staff meals as you want I'm like this is going to cost me nothing it's going to cost me for two weeks this guy he, he he's trying to make a, a big divot in the, in the food <laughs> cost but that's good I mean that means that he loves what he cooks that means he loves you know being there because uh, the food's good yep yeah it's true and so you guys have been on was it Blog TO you were mentioning yeah it's the uh, biggest Toronto food blog ran, like random magazines you'd never even heard of yeah uh, w- what's it like kind of spreading the gospel of uh, barbecue all the way up to the frigid north good question <laughs> it, it it's a really cool experience like you know for the first year and a half i i did all the meat cutting at the counter every day and i got to meet all the customers coming through and hey you get like you know two or three percent of the people are pissed off don't like the whole experience it's not what they expected right. but with a lot of other people you get to give them the, their first taste of really special brisket because we're the only people using high-grade meat in uh in the city and, and, and it is really cool to be able to give that, that first special bite of barbecue to somebody who's never had it. And you make a regular out of them. And we made a lot of friends with people who, are at the, who just come by every week. It's, yeah, it's been really special. And do you feel like you feel like the tides are turning? Do you feel like people are coming in knowing what to expect now? Or is it still, still kind of new for everybody? We, we still have a lot of educating to do. Uh, I, I've put a, a whole section on our website where it's, it's got photos of from our platters on Instagram, it'll say like, okay, this one has a pound and a half of brisket, two pounds of ribs, a couple sausages. And now we have people coming up to our counter and they just, they've got that picture screenshotted from our website and they'll just point it around at us and be like, this, make me this here. We have, we have three big butcher paper signs in our lineup area saying how to order like a Texan, you know, find out how many people you got, order, you know, a half pound of meat per person. And we, we walk them through the whole thing. 90% of the people just walk right by, they ignore it. They come up to the counter, they just go, I want the platter. <laughs> Can I what, please what? have some of your turkey brisket? Is, yeah. is one of the, is one of the good ones. Turkey like. brisket? Oh yeah. yeah! Don't you know there's a, a turkey brisket? Kind of like turkey pastrami or something. Yeah, I don't know. They're just like you mean turkey breast? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Or the uh, brisk uh, brisket gets called brisket, brisk. Maybe some French in there. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah French, French Canadians. <laughs> so you're saying you source high grade meat? Is that a Canadian product? Is that American product? The We've tried using a Canadian product, and they don't grade primes out. There's just the, the feed schedule is a lot different. People like a leaner beef in the, in the prairies where a lot of the, the cattle farming is done in Canada. And most of the packers don't actually separate the primes from the AAA. And our AAA is like the American choice. Choice? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so a lot of it doesn't get separated. So if you want, you might get one out of every 10 AAA briskets is going to be a prime, but the AAAs don't really hold up. Uh, so we bring it all up. We've been using Creekstone. Just recently started trying some Iowa Iowa Ranch uh, national beef. We use kind of what we can get because the Canadian vendors are typically the first ones to get shorted when there's like in the summertime when all the brisket supplies going out. We get shorted a lot. Uh, last summer we ended up having to use some CAB briskets for a couple weeks. It's, it's and also a like there's not a culture of smoking a whole brisket. It's like Canadian producers that make a, like they'll cut a brisket. They'll we found that a lot of them are like really hacked up they had big slashes through them just because i think anywhere that is buying them is probably grinding them right yeah or or splitting them up right and selling the flats to a to a place that's making pastrami or to a a lot of butchers will separate the flat and the point and cut all the fat off of it we're asking for beef ribs and they're like 
good God, what do you want with those? <laughs> no, nobody has those. I guess we can get them in for you guys. What, what do you even want that for? <laughs> we use one of the biggest meat wholesalers in the city, and they don't stock plate ribs. At all? No. And not even like cut in half or another? No. They, they, they use chuck ribs, and they, but even those, they, they rarely sell whole. They mostly make them into a Miami cut. And would, I'm guessing you guys, until you have the second location, you, you need a little more demand to kind of force them to do that? We found one place that'll do it for us, and another meat vendor that we're using, they said, like, we'll bring them in for you if you really want, but it'll just be one skew that we're carrying only for you guys. Nice. Well, that's cool. Yeah. Well, we're, we're, we're selling a lot of meat now, so we've got a lot okay. of guys really eager to sell us product. We've got every, every meat company in the city wants our business right now. Awesome. And that's a, I mean, it's cool to be the unique guys, right? It's cool to be the one that doesn't getting the same thing that everyone else is cutting up or cooking. Yeah, although our meat vendors, like I've, I've tagged them on Instagram a couple times, uh, and then they start getting phone calls. They go, man, today I had four people call and ask us for those Adamson pork ribs. Like, where are those thick Adamson pork ribs coming from? And I'm like, okay, so I'm not tagging you guys on social media anymore because our supply is going to dry up all of a sudden. Yeah, I find that, uh, like, we can kind of drive them up the wall because we're like, ah, this isn't the way we want it. And they're going, like, what? Like, what do you want? Because they, they don't really get the, the cooking part. So, like, we have all of these demands for the raw product that we're getting in that they have to kind of keep up with. <laughs> yeah, the Returns. amount of times I've heard from the meat vendors, like, oh, but you know, you're the only guy who asked for it like that. I'm like, well, there's a reason for that. And yeah. I'm glad that nobody else in the city is asking you guys for a certain weight spec on the ribs and no shiny bones as they're separated. Uh, I'm, I'm glad nobody else is looking for that stuff because that means we're still the only people who are trying our best to make the best pork ribs we can. And I have to ask, because it's something we talk about all the time, are you guys sourcing wood locally? Or are you you guys using a, some some oak that's only grows in Canada? What do you guys use up there? We use what just like how you guys use the the wood that's local to you. We use the wood that's local to us. Uh, we can get some white some white oak. Uh, it's not post oak, but it's the same variety of oak. Uh, and also a lot of sugar maple. And then so we'll typically send in orders for white oak and sugar maple. Half of it will be that, and the other half will be like birch and ash. Sometimes we'll go, dude. Like I can. I'm not an expert on wood, but I know this is birch. Like, this is very distinct looking. Because, yeah. oh, it just, that piece just slipped in. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's tough. There's not a big firewood business. We, we were talking about this the other day, that our prices for firewood, like, we pay, like, I think it's like 375 bucks for a cord. I've never had a full cord. It's usually 80% of a cord for 375 bucks. Uh, you, anybody who's listening will have to do a currency yeah. conversion on that. But it's significantly more expensive. And they'll come, they'll dump the trailer off in our parking lot and drive away. And we got to hand bomb it around the back of the building. There's no stacking or cleanup or anything like yeah. that. The, our, yeah, every time we hear when pickings. some of the guys around here, we're like, oh, yeah, you know, they stack it for us all nicely. It's all sorted. It's all dry. They sweep out that. And we're like, our guy dumps it in the parking lot. Yeah. <laughs> and he kind of drives away angry at us for giving him business half the time. <laughs> yeah. And you, you guys are city boys. You don't even know what a court yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and so, are, are they out Roy City Loggers? <laughs> <laughs> are they are they used to just like cutting up firewood for people who have fireplaces, or what? What do they usually do? He's got a lot of restaurant business in the city as well with wood fired uh, pizza places. He's got, I think he's he's doing all the the wood burning barbecue places too. But it's just he's our only option. Yeah, there's no other choices. There's nobody who wants to do it. Nobody else will separate out the the hardwoods from the softwoods. Uh, and so do you guys have to season it after that or is it pretty much ready to go when you get it? (laughs) (laughs) It's always uh, kind of a roll of the dice, you know, like I'll kind of talk to the guys and be like, all right, heads up this, this latest delivery, a little bit green. So we kind of have to change the way we, uh, Uh, like build a fire and stuff like that. They'll they'll have the, the offsets just 
full of wood the night before just to like try to warm it up a little bit do something to it like you're not going to dry it out but just get it yeah. slightly preheated for the next day i should post more pictures i like if we get really green wood and i'm i'm using the offset i'll stack the wood up against the like on top of the firebox and up against the the actual cook chamber and then i'll i'll stack them right along the top all the way <laughs> the entire length of it just to heat it up and try to dry it before I throw it in. Oh yeah, yesterday somebody said that, uh, oh yeah, for the last six hours we use about four logs of wood. Yeah. And we're like, and that's like enough. ten <laughs> minutes. Like that, <laughs> just in the winter we just have somebody literally almost full time just throwing it in. You can't open the door or crack. The, mm. Just all the cold air gets in so we go through quite a bit of wood. Yeah, to keep our pits at 225 in the winter it literally requires a bonfire. Yep. <laughs> and so although w- would you want to trade that to have a 130 degree pit room down here. Yeah, it's a <laughs> bit of a trade-off. So your pit rooms aren't hot? That's, it's hot, but yeah. our, the uh, the offsets are both outside just under a canopy, the 2,000 gallons, and inside we have an oiler. And that room gets pretty hot, but the fire's not actually inside. We just have it like, you know, just the face of the unit, of the, okay. of the oiler, like the doors open up inside, but the fire's outside, so it's not that bad. And it, it, the smoke goes out a stack? Yeah, exactly. I've checked in the room maybe gets to 100 it doesn't get to 130 like it does down here that's nice yeah (laughs) yeah for sure well then come up and cook with us in february in the middle of a blizzard and tell us how nice it is well i grew up i grew up on the other side of lake ontario so i know what it's like i grew up in the snow Mm -hmm. i drive a jeep (laughs) i actually i bought a car with four-wheel drive because i just got tired of shoveling driveways just (laughs) you just driving over and make an ice rink in your (laughs) (laughs) just just drive right through it uh, I did that for a long time. Uh, so you guys, you're in Toronto. You're cooking barbecue. Is there any other challenges to kind of taking something from Texas? I mean, 10 years ago, no one really cared about Texas. They just thought we all had guns and big trucks. And it seems like you, you read online and people say like, oh, yeah, Kansas City barbecue is great and California barbecue is great, but don't, don't eat any of this Texas stuff. It's kind of, I think people still might feel that. Like, there's no, there's not a lot of appreciation for it yet. It's still growing. You think so? It's blowing up. Well, like, people come in and they expect, and mostly in Canada, you're always going to get baby back ribs. And as soon as you say ribs, people always think baby back ribs. And sometimes people are surprised. They're like, these aren't ribs. Like, well, we'll do a pre-order. And somebody's like, I didn't get my ribs. They're like, did you get something with bones in it? Yep. Then you, you got your ribs. And so there's still a little bit of education on that end of it. <laughs> yeah. What's all this fat and cartilage yeah. on the ribs? We don't like this. It's, it's, it's a lot of education being the, being the first people in the country doing it, right? Well, and, and I'm always learning about the different cuts and all the choices. So I posted like a BuzzFeed. I just reposted one of their little GIF recipes of some baby back ribs just cooked in like tinfoil. Yeah, I was kind of trolling all the, the guys that follow us just to like kind of piss them off a little bit. And... People, I, I thought they were going to be like, oh, those are baked. That's not real. Da, 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 da. But in the end, they were just mad about the cut. I didn't even realize. I don't know that much <laughs> about, you know, this stuff. That people think just from talking to everyone that I know everything. But uh, these, those, I didn't know they were baby backs. And even Marco was like, no, no baby backs. Yeah. Like I, th- and I can't remember what the cut is. But, you know, they were talking about St. Louis. And I didn't realize that you could cut those ribs 10 different ways. Mm. It's awesome. Man, I, we had the baby backs at Louis Miller's. Those were those are delicious. Those are I love really those. Good. I want to put those on the menu when we get back. And it definitely satisfy a lot of people in Toronto. Yeah. It's yeah. definitely Toronto, like, barbecue is definitely, like, pulled pork. We sell a lot of pulled pork. And it's, there's quite a number of people that are, where is the sauce? <laughs> yeah, that's. <laughs> Having a dry rub barbecue. 
don't know about you, but when I'm cutting and someone comes in, they say, yeah, I'll have a one meat plate with pulled pork. I go, ah, it's your first visit, isn't it? Here, try this. And you give them a little piece of a burn hand. They're like, oh, my God, what is that? And you're like, ah, that's a brisket. That's what you want to order here. Nice. You, we, we make a lot of converts for sure. Mm. Well, I think originally uh, the, the pulled stuff and the chopped stuff was just because it wasn't cooked right, right? It's just a way to, like, throw a bunch of sauce on it. You know, that, and that's, like, kind of lazy barbecue. You just, like, cook it, throw a bunch of sauce on it, chop it up, and... And then you've got a product, but you guys are cooking good barbecue, so you don't have to chop it up or sauce it or do any of that. Yeah, we uh, we just stopped completely. We would put a little, little bit of sauce on our pulled pork, and then I just changed a bit of the way we cook, and, like, it doesn't need it anymore, so we, we just keep it just pulled pork, salt and pepper. If people want, like, we have bottles at the table, but, yeah. Everybody's always at, what, what's, what's your secret, Rob? Like, what do you guys all put on your brisket? <laughs> Like, would you mind telling us, is, is, is that a well-kept secret? We're like, okay, salt, pepper. <laughs> They're like, and? and? We're like, that's it. Yeah. And 18 hours. Yeah. Well, and <laughs> you said sugar maple. Do you notice a sweetness? Do you notice a flavor change or anything from? Sugar maple burns really hot and really clean, so it doesn't really impart uh, a lot of flavor. So, like, when I'm running the pits, what I like to do is, I'll, like, I'll build my fire in the morning at a sugar maple, and I'll burn it down to coals. And then nice. you can just kind of like add your oak throughout your cook. So it's kind of like sugar maple is more fuel and the white oak is more flavor. But we did comment the first time that we, the first place we went to, it just smells different. Yeah, we get, We're all like, that smells wonderful. And then you taste the meat and it's like, oh, like it's, it's a lot more smoky than ours. And that's what some people always say. They're like, you know, you guys need a bit more smoky. And you can definitely tell it's that there's oak, a difference. But it, yeah. it definitely has a little... Little something, something. But that, that's mean, on my short list of improvements for when we get back to because our I've, that's got to be our most common complaint, right? Like that the yeah. food's not quite smoky. It's not enough. smoky. Yeah, I, mean, I think we can do, we can find a way to impart a little more smoke on the meat. That's also people used to like electric wood chips. smoker, yeah, yeah, wood chip yeah. smoker that are smoldering, really, really smoky. Well, and it sounds like you guys are running pretty. Even though the the pit's probably not hot, you're running the fire pretty hot. So you probably just need some dirtier smoke because mm-hmm. that smoke's probably so clean from those bonfires. Yeah, yeah. That's a. It's like how to intentionally burn a little bit dirty. I think is what I'm gonna work on, mm-hmm. <laughs> but not so much that it becomes overpowering. And we've like, I've changed the way I've cooked briskets, like probably five times over the last two years. Like making little adjustments or changing the the, the temperature completely. And it's funny we've come down here and like other guys will say the same thing. Like two years ago they didn't cook the same way. So what other changes did you make? You said five different times. Is that is that mostly just like rubs uh, or? Tr- trim. I've changed the trim a few times. I've changed the mesh of the pepper. <laughs> okay. Like Actually, we just coarser? changed our rub too. We took uh, some seasoning salt out that we had in it. Yeah, we had two types of salt. We just brought it down to one type of salt. We changed the mesh of the pepper. Like, I'm obsessed with... Uh, everything. Yeah, everything. <laughs> let's be honest. But, uh, Matt's the nerd? Yeah, <laughs> big, big time nerd. With uh, willows, okay, and like every picture of his brisket, like the, the bark is so pebbly and like almost fluffy, and I'm just like, okay. How Same thing with like, like with Evie Mays too. We always say yeah. it just looks fluffy somehow. Like the bark, the pepper is almost just ready to come off. Yeah, looks so really like good. right down to the mesh of the pepper, how it's put on the brisket. Like I'll tweak that <laughs> and obsess about that so that I can get like this perfect brisket that is in my mind that I'm chasing after. Well, that's part of that's chasing the dragon. That's yeah. like part of the fun, right? We said we're going to spend the next, I don't know how many months ch- changing everything and tweaking everything. I've got like a list of like a hundred things that it's like got to do this, got to do this, got to do this. So, 
but we want to get better and that's it's yeah. never it's never going to be done ever ever it's like I've, I've fired people at the restaurant who are just just because they were okay with just complacency with not trying to make the stuff better and like we're, we're not perfect so some of our platters look look amazing like one out of a hundred of a day and we do well on social media because of it but we, we got a long way to go to to be in the the top tier of barbecue restaurants for sure yeah barbecue is like inherently imperfect and yet we keep trying to make yeah. it perfect yeah <laughs> and what so you know matt you're the guy that's sounds like making a lot of these decisions what's what are you looking for next after six days in Texas? What are you gonna What are you gonna do? What are you gonna work on when you get home? Uh, definitely our sausage. Having sausage down oh, yeah. here, heavier beef. Like we use, like we use a uh, like a mix of beef and pork. And I've had a hundred percent beef sausages that like blew my mind they down were here. Delicious. And I was like, I didn't know. If, I didn't think it was possible to make uh, a really. I, good. I've tried half a dozen times, and I could not make a good all beef sausage. Yeah. I got some books, uh, book suggestions from Leonard, four of them. So those are, uh, those will be at my door from Amazon by the time we get back. So it's going to be some reading. Yeah. And what do you think it is? Is it, is it fat content? Is it consistency? Is it? Yeah. And it's the type of fat you use, like the, you're using brisket trim and rib trim. So there's inherently like a lot of fat in it. And so, you know, how much of that goes in and how much you're kind of separating out. And yeah, the, the heat of the the grinder you know oh. the, how hot it is in the room like making sure your stuff stays in the fridge like the sauce i was always doing the longer cooks when i first started at adamson it's all the brisket and the pork shoulders and stuff and now i'm on days and uh like seeing the sausage it's much more complicated than i ever thought of just stuffing meat in a tube <laughs> so it's like it's the latest thing that i can obsess about well that's good right barbecue is its own obsession in general right and that's how I like I ended up at Adamson was like I always cooked uh, all growing up and but barbecue was always my favorite and I would have friends that were like oh there's a new barbecue place opened up and they knew I was like the barbecue nerd and they would drag me to it and always disappointed and that's when I when I heard uh, about this place Adamson this guy's using you know he's smoking using, using real fires and you know brisket and like texas style i was like oh maybe this is the one maybe it's a good barbecue place in toronto and i walked in there that day and ended up getting a job <laughs> nice yeah i, I really like this story because matt's made such a difference at our place right like he's i've been able to just like assign all the meat responsibilities to him and he's, he's honed in on all the little details that as i'm trying to grow my business i don't really have time to do anymore and he's, he's done an amazing job but when he came in he you know i remember he came to the counter he ate lunch and went sat down came by himself and uh at, at the end, he came up and you know, you, you, you're kind of a lot more outgoing than you were at the at the beginning when you first started working. Like at least with me, uh, and he came and said, "Okay, oh, can I see the pits?" And we went. We had a half an hour conversation in the back, and he was talking. He was name dropping all the all the pit masters of the the restaurants in Texas that I was just starting to learn about. I'm like, so have you been down there? Like, are you from Texas? He goes, "No, I've I've been once in my life. I didn't even really go down and eat barbecue." I was like, "Wow, this he's just obsessed." And I brought up that because at that time I was I was staying at the restaurant until. I don't know, between like eight and eleven o'clock at night, and I was pulling the briskets at that time, and I was kind of, I had my you know a couple months sleeping on a couch in the back of the restaurant, yeah, and, uh, and pulling off the briskets. And I go, I, we're we're holding them for too long. I really want to have a night shift guy, and he kind of just expressed some interest, and he started like right away, right, like maybe a couple yeah. days later. I like <laughs> my career before that, as I worked in libraries and museums, and I did that for like eight years, and then kind of my luck ran out trying to get a job, and so I was between jobs. It was like two years at that point 
that I was out of that world and I was just like, what else can I do with my life? I don't know. And actually on this trip, Laura, my wife, reminded me that I didn't have $20 to come eat barbecue. She had to loan me a 20. <laughs> she was like, here, go up, go up to this Adamson place that you've been talking about and like get some barbecue. And I'm like, oh, awesome. Like, thanks. <laughs> Cause I was, I was like working part-time, like minimum wage. And, uh, yeah, that's how I got up there. Yeah. <laughs> Shout really out to awesome. supportive partners, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no yeah. kidding. That's a, that's a beautiful thing. That $20 changed your life. Yeah, it really did. Ad- Adamson is a sanctuary for everybody that has nervous breakdowns in the business and, <laughs> and doesn't want to. Everybody's like, yeah, you know, I haven't been doing, I haven't been in the cooking industry much lately. You know, I had a breakdown. I'm like, that is literally everyone, every <laughs> single person that works or here never has been in the industry at industry all. At all. Yeah. 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 We're, we're so disconnected from the rest of the food scene in Toronto. The, the food scenes, it's, it's very competitive and this place is open and closing all the time. And it, we're so far removed that some of the best chefs in the city have come in. I've, I've never worked at a restaurant. I'm like, I have no idea who this guy is. People are like, oh, that chef, uh, like the guy from the Carbon Bar. Uh, oh, you, you know, watch out for him. Make sure he gets some great. I'm like, okay, cool, whatever. Like, wait in line, just like everybody else. And now, all, apparently, we have beef with this guy. I'm like, I don't even know who he is. And we just extended the beef. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go. Yeah. Sorry, pal. More shots fired. <laughs> Carbon this Bar. Is, this is a tough podcast for a bunch of Canadians, <laughs> man. I thought you guys were nice. I don't know. I think it'd be pretty good to open up down here. <laughs> yeah, we might have been scouting a couple locations. There you go. Uh, you, you know, can, can you help us get a visa? What do you think? Yeah, totally. All right, cool. You can sponsor us, maybe play yeah. the podcast. You, we can get you guys got to do like a South by special or something, yeah. so you can just like take over barbecue yeah, for man. a day. That was one pretty cool spot that we saw halfway between Austin and uh, and Houston. Nice. Yeah, man. There's lots of room. Yeah, I mean, man. every place that makes good barbecue pretty much sells out in Austin, yeah. and the ones that the ones that are in between are the ones that are out in the country. They've got Foodie Direct or they've got someone that are shipping anything. They started off just shipping the extra, and now they're cooking extra just to ship. Yeah. Because those guys will get that stuff overnight, two days. Well, yeah, we're just looking at that right now. Uh, that, that should be set up in the next couple of weeks, actually. Really? We have so well, many people. Oh, we're not going to ship to the States, but it's amazing. As soon as anything on, on, on us goes viral, the first thing, there's like 10 people from the States. Can you ship that down here? Can you ship down that? We're like, there's so many places that you could get it. And it's like, yeah, but, you know, we saw you and we want to give you a try. It's like... I always just point people at Snows. I Snow. say they, they got the online store. Go, go check them out. But between Snows, Southside Market, Blacks, a lot of them are doing mail order. So we're going to start that when we get back. We got a bunch of those like cooler boxes come in. And nice. Yeah, yeah, that'll be in the next couple of weeks. Is exciting. that? I've never really experienced one of those. Do they just send you like a stack of stuff? You put the briskets in and then ship it out? or? So you, you know like those styrofoam fishing coolers yeah. that you can get? I've ordered in, I just started with 10 or 20 or something. Yeah. And it comes with a cardboard shipping box that you just put around it, load it up couple of ice packs and, and seal and it. And they just it. come and pick up, pick it up? Or yeah, you I've got a FedEx account, so I just print off a slip on the computer and nice. then and a couple hours later they're at the door. That's crazy. And yeah. you, you vacuum seal them or wrap them up or something? Yeah, yeah so w- when we don't sell out, like, I don't know, we're open five days a week, maybe like two, three days a week, we'll have some extra briskets. We vacuum seal them. We normally sell for 26 bucks a pound, which is about $20 American. Uh, and then we sell them for 20 instead of 26 in our freezer, whole vacuum sealed frozen. The the shipping thing is going to be really useful actually because we can increase our numbers for brisket anyway, like on our on our usage chart, and make sure that we have a couple extra a week so we can sell a little bit more, have less risk of running out of brisket, and have something to do with all the extras because we don't sell any next day product at the restaurant. Okay, so you yeah. guys are just full on. Do you do you sell them? Uh, you like vacuum seal them and sell them if someone wants to buy a whole brisket like that? Yeah, we'll have them in the freezer. We usually have like between five and ten in the freezer. 
Yeah, so like a Terry Blacks, they have that freezer when you yeah. walk in. Yeah, same idea. Nice. Same thing. We'd like take the, the brisket fat and render it out and sell the tallow in the freezer, leftover pulled pork. Like we have two pound bags of pulled pork. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, the with the internet and everything, there's almost unlimited possibility for sales. Yeah. It's cool. It's huge in Toronto, the, like the frozen stuff, because everybody drives two, three hours north to quote unquote cottage country. So, like, people will just come in and they'll buy armfuls of frozen stuff because they can put it in a cooler, drive three hours, and they don't have a risk of it going off or anything. Yeah, because Toronto's not, I mean, the the city's huge and beautiful and surprisingly clean. Uh, I used to spend a lot of time up there, and it's just so funny because, you know, you go to New York City, and it's like there's a smell and all this stuff, and Toronto was, it, I mean, maybe you guys don't think that way, but I always just see it as a really clean, friendly place when I visit. But uh, you don't have to go far to go out into the country, right? No. The, I think it's the official motto of the city is a city within a park because there's <laughs> literally so many, so much green space in Toronto that it's more of a, a forest that happens to have a city inside of it. <laughs> That's awesome. So uh, I know, Matt, you've listened to the show, uh, but we call our fans the Meat Man. Hashtag Meat Man for all you out there. <coughs> Feel free to tag us on all your pictures and everything. But uh, we always ask, you know, y'all y- y- started somewhere. Y'all had your first cook. You had your first brisket you trimmed. Uh, for all those people out there who are kind of in that process, whether they're just starting or, you know, Esaul or someone who's got a sweet setup, maybe he's watching this episode right now, uh, to all the people out there cooking, What's your message? God, I would say to the guys that are in the backyard, it's keep, just keep doing it over and over and over and learning your cooker. Never like, never mind what, uh, like a book tells you or a YouTube video tells you. It's like the only way that I learned how to properly cook brisket was cooking dozens and dozens and dozens. And I'm still learning two years later, thousands of briskets later, like I'm still learning about it. So just keep doing it. Learn by doing? Yeah, learn yeah. by doing. In regards to cooking, the piece of advice I give the most is just limit your variables. I have people, you know, I run all the social media, so I get these messages. What's in the rub? Do you inject? Fat side up or fat side down? Just honestly, put salt and pepper on it, put it in the smoker. Once you've got that figured out and you can make that product okay, then start finessing the other things. Like if you're going to do competition stuff and you're going to inject it, add that in. Change one variable at a time because if you're throwing crazy ass rubs and changing your your temperatures and the woods that you're smoking with and all this stuff all at once you're never gonna be able to narrow down where you're screwing up so limit your variables when you do it and as for the business side of it like for me it's just been you know pouring everything into it it's been a ton of work but it's the most rewarding thing i've ever done in my life uh it's been really satisfying like growing the whole crew that we have now we've gone from having me and my girlfriend one other guy to now between in my building we have a pizza restaurant too and i think we got a total of 22 staff it's been insanely fun always putting the customer first has been the, the model making the food the best that you can uh, making the whole experience when you come in the door the best that it can be and just with that in mind we've just seen huge success like beyond my wildest dreams it's been amazing so you can only go, do go it after you, it you can only do it if you love it too like mm-hmm. the guys in the pit do brisket every day and then the next day and then the next day and the guy that does our sides he makes those same six sides every day and you know, you just got it. You got to love it, or else you're just going to drive yourself crazy. And I think you know we have a great work environment, and we try and you know get everybody involved and try and change things up. But you're going to see those same things every day. It's not we don't have a menu that changes seasonally. Like we try and change some things up, but those briskets got to go on every day. And it doesn't matter if you don't want to do it that day. They still <laughs> they still got to go on, and you still got to love doing it. Cool. Well, uh, I wanted to shout out all the ladies that are with you. They're uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Danielle. Oh. 
Uh, that Give is uh, my lovely wife. She does all the uh, baking, uh, cakes and pies. Is, is how you might might know her for that. What, so the the pastry chef and dessert extraordinaire. Yep, yep. And behind that, you have Matt's uh, funded him to get into the restaurant. The, the twenty dollar. <laughs> the the yeah. woman who loaned the twenty dollars. Yeah. Yeah. Where it all started. Feeding and his addiction. Your yeah. wife's out with the baby. Yeah, she's trying to get him to sleep, but. Shout out Allison yeah. Hunt. You're the best. Well, thanks for coming to Texas <laughs> and thanks for bringing the whole family. It's it's cool to see, you know, a big crew rolling around. It's cool to to just see the barbecue family growing. And so I think we quickly want to thank every single barbecue place we went to. Oh, like, no kidding. we were treated like we were treated like royalty. Everybody was so friendly. They're willing to share secrets and show us around, give us enough swag that I think that everybody in uh, Canada could probably have a T-shirt. But the, hos- <laughs> the hospitality was incredible, and yep. it, it really kind of made reminded us sometimes we can be a little assholes to some of our customers and stuff. And uh, you know, just to really put forward that the Texas hospitality, it was incredible. You're the only one who hasn't been rocking the gear this whole time I've seen you. These guys are covered. <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> hats, you got everything. Draped out in barbecue swag. I'm, I'm just the office guy who, who sits in there and just pretends he knows things about barbecue. I don't really. <laughs> oh, I gave a mic to an office guy? What yeah, am I doing? Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, guys, and thanks for uh, keeping Texas alive. Yeah. Enjoy your trip home. I know you got to catch a flight. Yeah. So thank you. Thanks, Yuna. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Get on the meat man, y'all to see me eat now. I got jaws like a bear trap, a teeth like a razor. This has been a production of Glencliff Media, recorded live in Austin, Texas. <laughs> <laughs>